listening to Conversations in Atlantic Theory, a podcast dedicated to books and ideas generated from and about the Atlantic world. In collaboration with the Journal of French and Francophone Philosophy, these conversations explore the cultural, political, and philosophical traditions of the Atlantic world, ranging from European critical theory to the Black Atlantic to sites of indigenous resistance and self-articulation as well as the complex geography of thinking between traditions, inside traditions, and from positions of insurgency, critique, and counter-narrative. This discussion is with Dr. Brian Valent Quinn. He is an Associate Professor of Francophone African Studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. His research focuses on the histories and politics of theatrical performance in West Africa and especially the stages interplay with questions of decoloniality, pan-Africanism, popular culture, and forms of activist performance. In this discussion, we talk about his book, Senegalese Stagecraft, Decolonizing Theater Making in Francophone Africa, where he employs an interdisciplinary approach to explore the reworkings and innovations of stage spaces and performance practices in Senegal from the colonial era to the present day. So we're here today with Dr. Valent Quinn. Thank you for joining us. Um, So before we get into your project, I wanted to start by asking you the origins of this project, a sort of invitation to narrate us into the project, how you came into it, Dr. Drabinsky has always gone over. Um, I haven't written my first book, but obviously, or apparently when you do, it takes over personal, ethical, and philosophical concerns. So uh, what drew you to the questions in Senegalese stagecraft? So why this project and why now? Thank you, Fatima, and thank you for the kind invitation. Um, yes, so writing, uh, writing the book does take up Uh, a lot of your life in multiple different ways. Um, And that was certainly the case for me with this one. Um, uh, You know, it was a long process that started with me, you know, as with most first books uh, in the dissertation phase. Um, And I I came to it um, as someone with a sort of interdisciplinary background, meaning that, I myself was on top of being someone getting my PhD in in Francophone and literary studies was also long before that a theater person. So having done theater in multiple different contexts uh, and being profoundly interested in what it is that theater does. And so um, I uh, came to Francophone African theater uh, by as a reader, first as a reader, um, it was kind of my readings of uh, Sonila Boutancy, the Congolese play- playwright, whose plays I absolutely fell in love with. And from there, um, just taking a look in the context of many different things, also my coursework as I was working up through the dissertation, uh, reading into this history of Francophone African theater and how it happened and becoming fascinated by uh, this uh, story that I that I was encountering of the Ecole William Ponty in Senegal, uh, which was being called by many of the of the works that I was reading, kind of the birthplace of Francophone African theater, which began in the context of of a school of uh, so 
these were instructors who were making pedagogical uses, who were taking advantage of the pedagogical value of theater in things like language instruction, but also many other different things and encouraging the students to create their own shows. And I mean, I thought that was just fascinating as someone who was in French studies coming from a theater background and who also, you know, has used theater as a kind of pedagogical tool as well in many different ways. So um, I wanted to really do a deep dive uh, on that. So, so I did, I wound up, um, I wound up going and my, my original plan had really been to kind of take a look at uh, the Ponte theater, the Ponte school um, and see what I could find in terms of the archives there. Uh, see if I could potentially meet some former Pontins, as they were called, or the students of the Ponte school, uh, both of which happened. And that was a great experience. Um, but I also thought, you know, I arrived kind of with the plan to take a look at also at the National Theatre in Senegal, the Daniel Serrano, the Théâtre National Daniel Serrano, to see kind of what was happening, having noticed that there was this sort of gap in the scholarship, uh, which is to say that, you know, we read a lot about the the, the theatre, the National Theatre in Senegal uh, in the 1960s with the big festival in Dakar in 1966 that took place. Um, and then we don't really hear much more about it after that. And I thought I would go and do kind of a, a sighted exploration of the school, it's, of the theatre itself. Um, and when I went and found out that there, there, in fact, wasn't really a whole lot going on, that left me with two questions to answer at least, right? One of which being, why? What's going on? You know, why? why how did this theatre come to sort of um, fall from being this at this place where it was really at the height of not only Senegalese theater, but sort of ideas and images and projections of a, of a kind of larger Pan-Africanist kind of approach to culture to, to becoming something where you go and there's, there's really, there's really there, you know, people, there aren't really productions going on and, you know, um, it's having a hard time sort of just surviving. So there's that kind of what happened. And and I try to address that a bit in in the book, uh, but also, uh, the, you know, being in Senegal, I, 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 what I learned, and this is kind of, I think underlines the importance of, of obviously going to these places whenever you want to study theater and performance, uh, in a location, uh, that although there was nothing really written about theater in Senegal, uh, in, in the past few decades, or there wasn't much at least, uh, theater, it was everywhere, you know, popular theater, street theater, activist theater. Um, there was, I found a very vibrant theater scene about which almost nothing had been written. So this, you know, as a student working on a dissertation uh, who's excited about this kind of opportunity, this is obviously gold. So I just, I, I went and I, and I did it, not realizing just how much work it all was actually going to be. Um, yeah, well, that's there's kind of so the story many questions in that, in that introduction. And I think before getting into some of the things you touched on, do you remember your first impression of watching like a theater performance in Ponty School? Yeah, so a little bit about the school itself. It was, um, so it no longer really, it no longer exists um, in its form. Uh, it It is, it was a school. So the the Ecole Villain-Ponty was uh, a school uh, for kind of the um, most 
elite, the most sort of academically talented students in the French colonial school system. Uh, and this was a school that has a long history that uh, I, I try to sort of address and give a bit of context to in my first chapter, um, but that is known uh, in relation to theater, particularly in the interwar period. So beginning in the 1930s, uh, these um, theatrical experiments um, or original creations of theater uh, begin to, to um, become a part of the identity of the school itself. Um, and of course, this means that as a selective school, uh, the students who were going there were the people who would later on become you know, the first presidents of their respective countries. I should mention that the Ecole William Ponty served students from throughout French West Africa. So you had students from Senegal, also students from, you know, Upper Volta, as it was called at the time, or Daomey, as it was called at the time, Guinea, um, all over the place. And so uh, these were the most promising students of their respective countries who were getting their education at a time where it was, you know, you could say perfectly timed for them 30 years later to be of age uh, in the time of decolonization and to become the kind of first leaders of their of their respective countries. And so um, this, I think, is an important story because it is at the in the background, really, of much of the kind of nationalist pan-African culture that you see in the time of independence in this region. Uh, so you have leaders um, who were involved, for example, in the National Theater in Mali. Um, you have leaders who were involved in National Theater in Guinea, who, for whom the, the idea of uh, making uh, culture at the center of their political project was nothing unfamiliar to them. In fact, their kind of political and academic ambitions were tied to the theatrical stage as early as the Ponty School. <laughs> so this is, I think, where this kind of idea comes about, right? And uh, and it, and it's something particular, I think, to this particular region. So I, that again uh, is a fascinating. Um, I, for me, I found that to be a, a fascinating history, uh, and 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 one that. Um, you know, included archival work. And luckily, some of these plays that were produced are available through kind of uh, productions, uh, I should say publications at the time. And there were some newspaper articles and other kind of writings about it. It was kind of a, an artistic and cultural phenomenon of its time. And in 1937, it was even sent, you know, the Ponty students were sent to Paris uh, to perform as a part of uh, one of the many sort of international expositions or exhibits at the time uh, to show the kind of emergence of this Franco-African creative spirit. You know, this was all done in a very kind of a colonial rhetoric, of course, right? Um, but my argument uh, in relation to the Ponty Theater is basically that although, yes, the framework of the event itself was colonial in nature, uh, the, the, the importance and the use that was made of the performance by the students themselves was something very different and that actually outlasted colonization uh, into the sort of into the period of independence, right? And so this is not at all answering the question that you originally asked me, which was uh, <laughs> <I know that. laughs> how, 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 if I remember uh, my experience of actually seeing a show, and, and I do, and I, I won't be much more brief in this. Uh, oh, no, that's okay. The, this whole trajectory is, <sighs> okay. is going great. <laughs> okay, okay. I do remember... Um, 
I do remember going to the Serrano Theater and 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 meeting people and seeing, you know, talking to some of the if you go there today, you know, you'll meet some of the some of the former troop members there who remember kind of the so-called good old days uh, when Senghor was still in power and that all this funding was going into culture and Serrano had this huge cachet to it. Um, and so th- there's a little bit of political, there's a, I mean, there's no small amount really of political disappointment on the part of the artists there who feel, I would say, and uh, you know, I'm sort of generalizing here, but one thing I frequently heard was that this jewel of culture was really just completely neglected by subsequent administrations uh, in Senegal. Now, I try to say that that might be a little bit unfair to to, to the other presidents who followed Senghor, like, I mean, particularly Abdou Diouf, who gets the brunt of the blame in this story uh, for the Sorano troop members. Uh, and then, of course, after that, Abdoulaye Wad almost consciously really tried to outshine much of what Senghor did, you know, including the National Theater itself by building his own National Theater, which was even bigger, right? Um, but um, so that uh, I saw that that was a that there was there was a history there uh, that wasn't going to quite give me the sort of active troop environment that I was looking for. Um, I had the great fortune of meeting a, a wonderful and fascinating figure of Senegalese theater who's unfortunately passed away a few years ago um, named Mamadou Diop, uh, who uh, was a Senegalese, began as a choreographer uh, and uh, was a part of the sort of so-called private theater scene in Senegal, which is what kind of emerged after the beginning, you could say, of the decline of, of the national arts scene in Sohano in the 1980s. Um, and so he was very active throughout his life as a director and a choreographer. And when I met him, he invited me to come see a show that he had created. Uh, and that was performed at the um, Centre Culturel in Pekin. So just one of the banlieues, you know, outer city neighborhoods outside of Dakar. Uh, and so, you know, after this trip where I had seen, talked to people about how Senegalese theater was dead and all this, these things that I was chasing, they were all things that were part of history, but not of the, not of the present. I went to the Centre Culturel de Pekin and saw a show that blew my mind. It was so good. It was creative. It was lively. Uh, and not only that, I mean, the, the performers were incredibly talented and uh, almost even even perhaps the most important thing, the performance was packed with a live audience that was interacting with what was going on on stage. I mean, it was the kind of theatrical event that, you know, theater makers in places like the United States or, or perhaps, you know, Europe would dream to be able to concoct <laughs> that had a kind of popular impact and, and importance that uh, that you know, people the people in in the so-called West try to accomplish, um, but rarely achieve, right? And so I thought, okay, well, this is really this is really something. So all this means is that I have to learn Wolof. So that was <laughs> that was a major challenge for me. Fortunately, Wolof is not one of the hardest West African languages. It still took me a long time and a lot of effort. Um, but, um, but it, it certainly paid off because there's so much, there's so much going on. It, and I think now that you're thinking, saying it, it makes me think about 
the Wolof in, in theater, how similar or unsimilar to common day language because it's more animated, you know? It's um mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, that that's a different conversation and a whole different mm-hmm. study, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think so well, too, yeah. I did have a question. So when you were speaking about the Serrano troops and, you know, the the jewel of culture that was being lost or that is lost, how do you put that in dialogue with the pan-African, you know, nationalism of culture that the theater brings? Is that what the Serrano troops were referring to, that this jewel of culture? Um, And also, I guess, in, in the same line, what did these stages do? Because these stages did function as a sort of nationalism or build this nationalism culture. Um, And that period of time in the 1960s, I mean, it was like this this firework of the negritude, the independence happening, the theater. It was like, I don't know, it's like New Year's, you know, almost. (laughs) Just a whole, you know, a whole two to three years of just New Year's. But and then it just kind of died. Um, and I don't yeah. want to say it died, but it maybe transformed into something else. Um, yeah. Transformed. It, there was less momentum, I think. That that would be a better word. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's yeah, that's a great question. And so, I, I mean, uh, you know, I think there would be a lot of different answers to that. And the, the, the sort of answers that, that would come up would probably um, elicit all sorts of different arguments about who's to blame for this and that. But you're absolutely right. I mean, anyone who's read about the Théâtre d'Adier Serrano knows very well uh, what an important site it was at this moment of independence and how Senghor really turned it into um, this sort of hub of culture that was, um, you know, the way I kind of came to think about it was um, in, t- in, re- in relation to the contemporary situation is, you know, there was a time when, you know, you can imagine a performer, uh, be the, and again, there are several troops at the Solano Theater, so we're not just talking about stage theater, like uh, drama, uh, there was also the Ballet National, there was also the, there was music as well, um, and, you know, there might have been a time when a performer would have dreamed to be able to perform on the stage of Daniel Serrano, and that you know is no longer the case anymore. And how did that come to be? What are the key reference points for performers today in Senegal? Well, a lot of that I came to discover is television. That's almost always number one, uh, because as I'm sure you know, Fatima, Senegalese television is really having a moment right now. Oh yeah, um, I mean YouTube is great for that. <laughs> It's a I researcher's mean, it's, dream too, because yeah, the production it, uh, is, it's just. And I think what I really enjoy is that some of the theater that's taking place, the it's mm-hmm. just very raw. You know, like you'll see like a homeless cat in the background. So it's just yeah, very, yeah. it's just very raw and very. Um, there's something about it that that's it's not as beautiful as Hollywood, which is yeah. I like it. You know. Yeah. yeah. And people, and it's as you know, when you're, it's it, um, it really has, uh, it's a part of people's lives, you know. So, um, uh, people watch it, people follow it, and you know, it's a really part of this. I'm sure is a really great interest to you because it's such an important part of people's digital 
life now these days because you read a lot about what the new series are you know on social media and it's all available on youtube and so so that's a lot of fun to follow so that's kind of become the the dream for performers these days whereas one day you know i imagine it was it was it was perhaps so i know that's that's no longer the case anymore you know uh in the 1960s you had you know this was a theater that had such prominence that uh, it hosted residencies where Alvin Alley would go and he spent long periods of time there, you know, with the hope of sort of creating with, because, you know, as you know, there was this also African-American involvement in the negritude scene in Dakar that you saw, for example, in the, in the, in the great Pan-African festival in Dakar in 1966, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people listening have, you know, already know about, um, and so uh, the the blame for this is often put on the, the 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 period of structural adjustments. You know, there's this well-known um, kind of uh, argument of causality, uh, uh, between, which is true. I'm not saying it's not true, uh, where you know the structural adjustment period forced uh, nation states like Senegal to uh, reduce drastically their investment in national structures like the national theater, and that that later, you know, caused, uh, caused the theater to really lose its stature. Um, so that, 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 that is an important part of the story. And it's, it's one that is often mentioned in terms of the, the administration of Abdu Juf who followed Senga. Um, uh, but that's, that's, that's kind of also, um, what I dis- what I talk about in the book as creating an opening, right? Uh, also for popular theater artists to step in and fill in the void. Uh, And especially for television then, you know, a little bit later to step up as being an important part of people's lives. Uh, And, you know, one thing I discovered, and uh, YouTube is also a real real help with this, um, because otherwise I don't know how I would have been able to study it. Um, the kind of uh, theatrical troops you had, for example, when 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 Sohano and these national structures no longer become uh, such a feasible option for performers, you know, the, you have these local troops uh, that begin to gain prominence, right? That always existed, but uh, eventually find the platform of national television, you know, and there are a few in particular who become very prominent. And so in the 1980s and the 1990s begin to be seen regularly every week uh, on, uh, on Senegalese TV, right. Uh, and have these kind of teledramas that are a different format than the ones you see now. And for, for reasons that have to do with the media itself, um, but you know, you know, you'd have um, every mardi soir, so every Tuesday evening, you had uh, the sort of teledrama, which uh, would have been a Senegalese troupe uh, staging kind of almost a sort of soap opera. But they're really, you know, that almost sounds like you're, I'm, I'm, I'm belittling it because there are very good series uh, that were that were made by companies. Uh, called Darai Kutch is one of them, an important one who I talk about a little bit, um, including uh, an adaptation of Maryam Ba's So Long a Letter. Um, uh, and these are fortunately, uh, someone is, has uploaded them on YouTube, so you can actually see them now. I, otherwise, it would be very difficult to access because I've gone to the kind of national television archives and they've told me that all of this has been saved, but it's on material. They, they don't have them. They don't have the equipment actually. Mm-hmm 
people to actually see it. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's kind of a meandering uh, answer to to a question that I, I don't <laughs> even remember. So I'm sorry. Oh, that's but, okay. um, so no, that that works. And I think, can you talk to us a little bit about how you use the term stagecraft in your project? and um, how the word theater is used. So um, if you could kind of, you know, speak on that a little. Right. So um, stagecraft was the idea that I, I, try, I, I wanted to sort of find a way to talk about theater. And this is, this is sort of getting to the, back to the sort of beginning, the introduction of the book where I try to frame where I'm coming from in, and what I'm trying to do in, in relation to basically the, the multiple different fields and subfields I, I want to be in conversation with, right? And that includes Francophone studies, African studies, performance studies, and, and maybe a few others as well. Um, to say, how is it, so given this kind of colonial history of theater uh, in Senegal, how is it that you speak about and study theater, Senegalese theater, in a way that doesn't reinforce these kind of colonial frameworks on what theater is and what theater is supposed to be? Because part of the reason, my, I, I argue, is that part of the reason that we know so little about this theater is because we are falling short on finding the, of finding the kind of theoretical toolkits, but maybe even the methodologies that allow us to discuss this theater and to learn about it and to think about it uh, in, in ways that, that um, in ways that really take it for the poetic object that it actually is, right? The object of creation, of innovation, and also of experimentation sometimes, right? Um, And so I I, I note in the book that uh, we, uh, as literary scholars, like you, I'm coming from a literary field here, a literary background um, with an interest in sort of performance and performance studies, have kind of let that particular field go to anthropologists, right? Who have kind of picked up the slack. Uh, and especially in Anglophone Africa, you have many excellent anthropological studies of uh, popular theater in Nigeria, theater in Ghana, for example, right? And perhaps more so than in Francophone Africa, but it, anything that you will find in Francophone Africa will typically by, be by an anthropologist or someone coming from the social sciences. And so I wanted to try to find a way to uh, address this theater that I'm studying as the, as the, as the, as the kind of creative work uh, that it is. And so for me, stagecraft was a way to highlight. um, So I talk about stagecraft as uh, the, the way that theater artists, uh, the way that theater artists actually recreate, in a sense, the stage with each performance in a context where it's not possible to take as a given what the stage and what performance is the way one might sometimes, for example, in a so-called Western context. Um, these artists are working in a situation where they are actually defining with each creative act what it is that theater is. And in inventing the stage, in recrafting the stage with each work or with each kind of genre or with each approach, are not only crafting a space, they're not only crafting the content of the show, they're also crafting a certain form of interaction that takes place between the performers and the audience. Uh, What does the audience expect to see when they come to a show? What are the expected uh, norms of engagement between them 
and the and the performers, and also um, the performers are in a sense speaking to the audience, but they're speaking to the audience in virtue uh, uh, by virtue of what? What is the identity that is assumed of the audience that's taken for the for the show's public, right? And so, for example, uh, one example. Uh, where this becomes very important, for example, is uh, when I, I, I took a look, and this was a big part of the work that I did on the book, was uh, a study of Moored theater, which is something that, again, fell completely through the cracks because uh, of how difficult an object it is to actually to actually grasp, right? And so um, Mourids, the Mourids are, of course, this su very important Sufi brotherhood in Senegal. They're very culturally important. They're not quite the biggest of the Sufi brotherhoods in Senegal, but they are perhaps the most visible and culturally influential uh, who had used theater uh, as a part of, uh, you know, in the sort of post-independence cultural landscape, uh, I'm sorry, not post, in yeah, but yeah, post-independence cultural landscape, excuse me, uh, to, um, to help to spread the Moorid Brotherhood. Um, and so they did so by creating what I would call a kind of experimental piece of theater uh, that allowed for the physical representation of uh, a saint, Shama Dubamba, who's the founder of the Moorid Brotherhood, uh, whose very image is supposed to be sacred, right? And so the act of representing a person physically in that context cannot be a, a representation similar to the one that you see, for example, in, in, a, in a conventional Western performance. You know, uh, it can't be, for example, like Jesus Christ Superstar, for example, in the U.S., where you can have Jesus dancing <laughs> on stage and doing whatever you want, right? You can't do that in Senegal with Shaman yeah, Dubai. That's, no, that's right? a great way to gain engagement with your audience if you're looking for that's that. Right. <laughs> That's also about as a theater person. Those are also parts. That's a part of my references as well. <laughs> but um, so they they made it possible, in short, by uh, changing the understanding and the nature of what the stage is supposed to do, and who, uh, with an understanding of who the public is to whom they are speaking. Right? Where are they coming from? What are their expectations about the limits of how you can stage the founder and how you cannot, how you can deal with the story and how you cannot. Uh, and so that for me uh, is, is where the term, uh, the idea, this idea of stagecraft uh, was, was useful because they're doing more than just creating a certain kind of show. They're crafting an entire experience of theater, an idea of what theater can be in a way that I, I posit is, is fundamentally experimental, even though this is not the kind of theater that's talked about in conversations about so-called experimental theater. I think it is. It's a very experimental and innovative way to approach theater, right? And I think that comes across in your book. You you make it very clear, which I appreciate as I go through these turmoils in this um, <laughs> stage of, of my doctoral career, mm -hmm. but how it's very important to meet. And in this case, you know, the stage performance Senegalese in that on their ground and on their terms, how they, the terminologies that they use. So yes, you can say theater, but this multidisciplinary approach really just creates new grounds for how we go about research, which really reminded me of, I don't know if you've had the chance to read Christina Sharp's In the Wake, 
um, and mm-hmm. how she calls for when we're looking at Black lives and it's, mm-hmm. you know, when we're looking at the lives of Black people and Black bodies now, we need to start maybe doing research in a new way <laughs> as opposed to just um, reproducing co- the colonial framework, which now when I look yeah. at things and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to do this research in a way that just reproduces colonial framework? Does it continue to reproduce this violence? Does it, how can we move away from that? So yeah. like your book does this way of like, well, let's just use what we have. <laughs> let's just look yeah. at how theater is done and use the tools that they have, which is they're creating a stage. And, and it's so true. Every time you watch a Senegalese performance, it's never the same thing. Like they're always, yeah. it's, it's very experimental. So it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just very interesting for me. You just articulated it in a way that I, I wish I could. So. Well, thank you. I'm glad you will articulate your subject just as well, if not better, I'm sure. And uh, what your comment actually uh, points me towards a, a sort of clearer answer to a question that you, that I could, that you asked, which is about the term theater. And in fact, just as you're saying, um, the problem that I, that I encountered almost immediately when approaching the subject was that, you know, I came to it naively saying, oh, I'm going to study Senegalese theater. And uh, okay, the Senegalese part of that equation, okay, people could tell me what that was. They could agree on what that was, even though, you know, national identity is always a bit tenuous. Um, but whenever I talked about theater, the, what theater exactly was it that I meant? Because in Senegal, as I'm sure you know, people use theater to talk about a lot of different things. Yes, it can be the kind of national theater performances, but people use the term theater to talk about television shows. They use theater to talk about popular street shows, right? So the idea, the concept of theater itself was so unstable that I had to find a way to break it down into the very, uh, into the sort of creative act of bringing together a public. And this is where anthropological literature for me, you know, was very helpful. I don't want it to be an anthropological study, but anthropologists have really done terrific work on, on, uh, on this that was very helpful. For example, Karen Barber talks a lot about what it means to, to, to address, to, to speak to a public. And that's, that's an important part of the, the theatrical act, right? And so that's, for me, where I try to boil it down into these different elements of so-called stagecraft instead of referring it to kind of as theater. And I kind of repeated, instead of just talking about theater, I put the emphasis on this idea of theater making, turning something into theater. Um, because the idea of what theater is, you know, uh, I, I end the book with my, you know, sort of my favorite quote, which was given to me by, uh, you know, my really main collaborator on this project, which who was a, a popular theater artist named Muhammad Jujol. And one day, in, you know, one of our, I spent, you know, a long time, you know, two and a half, three years in Senegal in the course of this project. And in one of our sort of many conversations about Senegalese theater, he he um, told me, you know, um, Senegalese uh, theater is also a Senegalese invention, you know. Uh, and what he meant by that was, and what I, you know, how I at least interpreted it was, uh, as a reaction to this notion that is frequently mentioned, perhaps I think less so in an Anglophone context, but a lot in Francophone context, 
uh, of theater as uh, an invention of ancient Greece that began with the Greeks and that came down to the French and that the French eventually transmitted on to the Africans who are now, you know, and that's totally bogus, right? Um, theater is invented in its own way in each context where it's practiced, right? And so in order to talk about Senegalese theater, as I try to do here, I had to think about it as a Senegalese invention, right? Yeah, that definitely helps. And I'm so glad you touched on the point of theater to theater making, because I highlighted that book heavily. I highlight that sentence heavily because I was like, yes, that, <laughs> that makes sense. It makes okay, perfect good. sense. And um, I'm yes, I'm, I'm glad you, you touched on to that. Um, so in, in regards to one of the tools of stagecraft, you also talk about the function of the playwright. So can you speak mm -hmm. a little bit about playwright? Sure. Yeah. Well, I I, um, I was trying to address the fact that we in French studies and literary studies, when we when we approach theater, we do it with a very heavy focus on the playwright, on what the playwright does. When in fact, uh, if okay, that might work in certain contexts, but if you were to focus on solely on playwrights in the Senegalese context, you would walk away with the erroneous idea that. Senegal theater in Senegal no longer exists, right? Because they're really, although there are there are tons of theater makers in Senegal. It's just this this particular practice of the playwright who then publishes a work that is then read by scholars is not as it's not as as prominent, right? And yet uh, there are playwright, you, you can extend to these theater makers uh, the the role of playwriting, but it, it's it's not it's not quite that, right? So I wanted to kind of, I guess you could say in our jargony way, provincialize the idea of playwriting instead of making it kind of uh, the universal means of approaching theater from a scholarly standpoint. Uh, and instead talk about text, right? So for me, in talking about this idea of stagecraft, I looked at it in terms of, of um, gosh, let me see if I can remember, in terms of text embodiment and place, right? As sort of the central elements that I wanted to talk about uh, in how theater makers actually create theater, create the stage in their work. And when I talked about text, it was, again, drawing from a kind of anthropological literature to talk about text, not just as something that's written, but text as something that can be oral. Uh, I think Karen Barber says something that, you know, it's when discourse is, is, and I'm paraphrasing here, so this is not exactly right, but the idea is that discourse that is made to outlast the moment, right, uh, is intextualized. And I found that very helpful because you did, in fact, although I could not find written transcripts, even of the popular works that I was studying, I did always hear echoes of those same works that kind of reverberated in the theatrical scene and that outlasted the moment of the event that had them, that saw them emerge, right? Uh, so these were forms of texts that were, uh, that were being transmitted uh, instead of by written means, by more of oral means, you know, kind of. So uh, I wanted to take that as a form of, if you will, playwriting in its own right, or as a, as a way of contextualizing the work, right? Along with the embodiment, the importance of bodies is also very present, I think, I, I, I hope in my approach. 
And I can see that um, in the same with the popular televisions, you know, one television really inspired the rest. So there may not be a transcript to find it, which has been frustrating for me because I, um, when I would put in the captions to see how the Wolof translated into French, I was like, ooh, what is that? But, you know, yeah. but once again, that's just more of like um, the scholarly. I don't know what you would think, but I think in this case, the scholarly in the playwright context is really um, substituted by the audience. They're the ones who will let you let know whether this is a flop or a, or a hit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, that's right. um, it's like they're, they're your first peer review. Very harsh, but... That's the peer uh, review yeah. that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like for exactly, I agree with you entirely. And, and especially, um, you know, there are, uh, if you look, even thinking back to um, some of the older television shows that I was looking at, um, like um, this very uh, famous troupe at the time in Senegal, that I Kutch, which I already mentioned, uh, had this show called Ibra Italien. Uh, so this is the idea of a guy named Ibra who passes himself off as this, who goes, goes away. We assume to Europe and says he, he went to Italy and became, uh, and became rich. And then he sort of shows off when he returns and becomes a seductive guy. And, and to this day, Ibra Italien is, is, is a term that people will know and recognize as, as a joke, uh, uh, of, of, of that kind of prototypical character, right? The, the guy who returns from Europe and is sort of showing off and all that and tries to seduce people, including women with this idea of the, you know, the flashy returned um, uh, migrant and so, or immigrant. And so uh, I think I, just like you, that that is a kind of peer review by the public <laughs> that embraces this idea and makes it a, a kind of signifier in its own right in popular culture, despite the kind of um, lack of a preserved document or anything like that, you know, it sort of reverberates in, in the popular culture. So can you also uh, just talk a little bit about, because I was interested when you said um, how this, the theater space also acts as a decolonizing space as opposed to it being decolonized. Yes. Yeah, so um, when I when I wrote that uh, and when I was thinking through that, um, my my uh, what I wanted to express was how um, you know throughout this study I I look at different examples as you know I'm sort of jumping from one to the other in this conversation, but these are all uh, different uh, sort of variations or different kind of, um, yeah, I guess you could say different manifestations of a kind of Senegalese stage space in different contexts. Um, and part of my uh, argument um, that I, I try to point out in each chapter is how each of these stage spaces is also, whether it's apparent or not, doing a work of decolonizing its own heritage, uh, which is in the sort of colonial uh, which is rooted in a kind of colonial uh, transmission of the stage space in these sort of French colonial schools. Uh, and as different as they may appear, um, they are forced in a way to reckon with that past, and they do so in, in very different ways, sometimes uh, in what one might call a more sort of a 
accommodationist way, I suppose you could say, uh, but accommodationist with a purpose, you know, that is also um, that is also serving to the artist and also political in its own right. Uh, some perhaps a little bit more radical than others, uh, but all of them deal in some way with uh, with how to sort of um, loosen the grip of this colonial history on the stage space uh, to turn it into something that's a little bit more adapted and a little bit more apt to address and to discuss to speak directly to the audience that it, it hopes to that it hopes to deal with right so that's 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 what i mean by saying that they're doing each stage is doing a kind of decolonizing work mm. and so the the process is never finished it's never done right there's there is no decolonized stage space here right uh, but it's an active process that's taking place through the creative work that's being that's being done um and so uh to talk about this you know to try and be a little bit more concrete uh you know i i could talk about for example in the context of the the theater that was produced at the the école william ponty right uh, there's a lot of scholarship that has been done on this theater, um, and there uh, there is um, a tendency sometimes to dismiss it as a kind of colonized theater. Um, there aren't, there isn't a whole lot of engagement with the theater itself. Curiously, um, you know, we have some of the plays, uh, but because of its colonial context, it's assumed to be. Uh, a reflection of, you know, the sort of colonized mind of these young Ponty students mm -hmm. who just wanted to impress their French school teachers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's, and some people, you know, some very important people, even the likes of Wally Shoyinka, uh, were very dismissive of this, this, this history, right? Uh, and so what I try to argue is that, um, what I try to argue is that although it was not kind of the sort of revolutionary theater that many of the sort of um, uh, anti-colonial artists of the later decades might have hoped for, you know, it, it still was doing a kind of, it was engaging in a negotiation with colonial forces at the time in order to gain a little bit more, if not autonom autonomy, at least say in this kind of Franco-African society that was presumed to be on its way ever kind of emerging uh, in a way so it was a site of it became what happened was whereas the french schoolmasters and teachers wanted to turn this stage space into a place of uh you know that that basically carried with it the colonial project just to put it very briefly um uh, the students themselves turned it into something else they turned it into a site of creative negotiation uh, with the colonial order. And I think that in itself uh, is interesting. Um, and so that's, that's, that's a, an important work at the heart of that stage space. And I really like how you mentioned that it brings to mind, I'm trying to remember, oh, I'm going to I'm going to have to email you after if I can remember, okay. but there was also a Caribbean novel that employed the same tactic of using students in this, in this, um, stage place. Oh, it was Danny Leferrier's novel. Yes, I remember. It was one of his novels. Um, you know, the whole Papa Doc and Baby Doc. But he Correct. he was explaining how when he was leaving the country, his friends were invested 
in the stage space in the stage space and like a sort of negotiation and they're putting their lives at risk um but yes it this it's a space to have this negotiation with colonial um instead of just you know dismissing it but i can keep you here for another hour if we had to speak about like how you know this is being used um but i guess i do want to ask while you were writing this book did you have a particular readership in mind were you writing um thinking well this is for the theater students who told me i had no place here <laughs> because of my francophone studies interests but um what what are some of the things you would want, I guess, a reader to take away? Well, um, I had, uh, I, I think I had, I would say that I had several different kinds of readers in mind. I tried to at least keep several different kinds of readers in mind. Of course, there, were, I, I, I was hoping to speak um, broadly to scholars and who are in theater studies to um, see how much this kind of approach might resonate with um, with people who are working on theater in context of the so-called global South. Um, uh, and also uh, scholars in Francophone studies to try to point out, I think, the importance of Francophone African theater on uh, our studies of Francophone Africa, I think that there is not enough work, you know, I think there's a lot more that could be done on Francophone African theater. Um, the importance of theater uh, in, in at multiple different levels of, you know, our studies of the politics, of this, you know, the sociology, the, the cultural production of Francophone African countries, really theater is, is central in that in many different ways. Um, and so, but I also, and always, I also always kept in mind, um, you know, bearing in mind the fact that this, um, these stories, this, this, you know, I, my interlocutors in talking about this, whether it was about popular theater, television, um, more theater, even, even the people, the, 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 the people who were former students of the Ecole Villain-Ponty who I spoke to. Um, there was this repeated kind of refrain of how there is a history of Senegalese theater here that just has never really been written. You know, people know about it and they remember it and they talk about it and they know that it had a big impact on Senegal, but it's, it's never really been, been, been officially talked about or, or put down or put down on paper. So I had the idea that I, I would really like this book to be accessible uh, to those who maybe aren't in academia at all. Uh, but who have an interest or maybe even memories of Senegalese theater and television uh, and who, who who might get something out of this book. So I tried to, uh, as much as I could, uh, make it both academic and, and accessible in that way for that reason. <laughs> and to bring that question to you, how did um, this project leave you? As you say, obviously, there's more to be done. Um, but did it leave you with other new curiosities, sensibilities, exhaustion? Um, <laughs> how did um, what? How did this leave you? Uh, exhaustion is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, you know, it was a it was a, a really for me a really deep dive in a lot of different aspects that. Um, that pulled me in directions that I wasn't, where I wasn't really expecting to go. Uh, and so um, finishing, finishing the book, right. Although it never really feels like it's finished, um, but you know, it being out there in the world, 
uh, I, I, for me, it, it provides kind of a nice opportunity to sort of look up and with what I've kind of worked on and thought about and see in other contexts where I might uh, explore, ask similar questions, right? And I'm very interested now in kind of the cultural politics between France and West Africa, um, because there's there's a lot, I think, more to write about there uh, and a lot more to think about, um, especially considering, you know, everything that's going on in West Africa right now. Uh, when you look at, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm getting ready to go to Ouagadougou and, you know, and it's it's a very interesting and uncertain time, right? And as with many different things in the history of exchanges between these different parts of this world, theater is very present. Right? So theater is being used in a lot of different sort of de-radicalization measures that are being used by popular theater troops. And so I'm interested in exploring the politics and the history of that and also kind of troubling this idea of what it means for a foreign government or organization to hire a popular theater troupe to try to de-radicalize a certain population. And, and we talk about certain forms of radicalization that are going on in France right now anyway. Mm. And what about Europe? Don't they have a lot of different kind of extremisms of their own? So mm -hmm. who's teaching whom here? <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of... Um, that those are kind of the question, the different contexts that I'm looking at now. Well, that sounds very interesting. And whenever that's um, ready, we'd love to have you back on. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> no, no pressure, though. No, yeah, no yeah. pressure. <laughs> and it's, the first question is always interesting because when I say how, um, why this project is now, I'm thinking I'm like, you've been actually working on this for 10 years. But thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Fatima. Thank you.